what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. I'm with the band. Music and interviews you're going to like. Welcome to I'm with the band here on The Mesh. I am your host, Andrew Moose. If this is your first time listening, I'm with the band invites musicians and bands of all types to discuss their current projects, their touring lives, and their lives as musicians. Uh, of course, thank you for listening, and we hope that you do subscribe to this podcast and get these all these episodes directly sent to you. Uh, this episode of I'm with the Band is produced in partnership with the No Contact Concert Series, Codex Sound, and Midwood Entertainment. If you're considering advertising on the Mesh Podcast Network, it's a super low-cost way to reach a targeted audience. And I've heard only the people who listen to Mesh Podcasts are rich and beautiful, and all they want to do is spend money with your company. So uh, I digress. Today, we are currently podcasting remotely away from the beautiful Mesh Studios in downtown Hickory and are currently in the COVID-19 pandemic. So during this time when venues aren't able to schedule shows, our good friends over at Midwood and Codex have partnered and they're producing the No Contact Concert Series, which really helps bands and fans interact with one another via the World Wide Web. And so my guest today on I'm With A Band is playing the No Contact Concert Series this Saturday, June 27th, 8 p.m. I'd like to welcome to the show, Gray Brewster of Revelwood Mission. What's up, man? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me, man. No worries, man. How are you today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, tell me a little bit about Revelwood Mission. Where are you guys based out of? Based out of Charlotte. And um, uh, we've been together for a little over three years. And uh, a couple of us are sort of Charlotte natives. And uh, another guy had moved down from Asheville. So that's sort of the genesis of it. Right on. Um, so I, I guess we just start at the beginning. I I, I got wind and, and heard of you guys uh, through this concert series, and um, I got to be able to listen to uh, your newest album, uh, Stirring the Haunts. And um, the well, the first thing that stuck out when I saw the album on iTunes was the cover and that creepy schoolhouse that's on the cover. Like, let's just start there. Like, what's up with that? Sure. So um, I had visited uh, a place called Lansing, North Carolina. It's north of West Jefferson. It's kind of uh, northern uh, North Carolina mountains uh, a number of uh, I guess, several years back. And it's uh, owned uh, by a couple of um, local uh, sort of different media artists. And they wanted to create a um, uh, they, they found this old school that was built back in the 30s. And uh, sort of as a local place where like where all these sort of rural kids of all these grades uh, could come together and get, I guess, some more formal schooling. Um, And it survived all the way up through the 80s. And uh, some students, I guess, would stay on site um, uh, versus heading back and stuff like that. So there's a couple of adjacent buildings that are sort of dormitory style stuff. And uh, our friends had uh, bought the, or found this defunct school, which had sort of been run down and out of use for a number of years, I guess in the uh, early 90s or mid 90s, and bought it and uh, decided to turn it into an artist retreat. And uh, it's a pretty amazing place. It's in this small little town with literally one stop sign and 
Yeah, just this random pizza joint that's just fantastic. Um, so uh, I had initially uh, gone up there, and when I walked into the school, all of the vaulted ceilings and these high-framed windows that kind of look out west and let all this pouring, streaming in light, they had ripped, they had, all the walls were um, taken down to the studs and everything was hardwood floors and you know the acoustics were just amazing and it was like i need i need to bring this band up here so um i talked to the guys and we decided we were going to go up and um kind of just track some stuff uh to kind of flush out some ideas that were originals and and see what it um see what these tunes sounded like and by the time we were kind of done and about to head home the next day we listened back and we were like this is really cool this is this is great and uh our drummer tim has a uh friend in boston who um he, he said you know we should just send these tracks up to uh to him and and get him to do a pass at mixing them and uh he mixed them he mastered them he sent it back to us and boom we didn't even know we were i mean it was all done sort of like on our own recording gear um and uh but we didn't know we were recording anything we were going to put out and it uh ended up being a really great experience so the second time we wanted to do a record we had a whole lot of uh understanding about what to do differently and what worked and what we wanted to do this time so we went and did the exact same thing um for our second record which is stirring the haunts and on the cover of that record is this ominous haunted old school which is pretty pretty cool
I was listening to the album, you know, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, there's a few things that really, really stand out. And uh, it's, it's that your guitar tone is, is unbelievable. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And those huge B3 Leslie fills are, are great. Those are, there's really turned me on to that album. And it's like, uh, I was just trying to think like, what I would compare it. And I, and I hate comparing, but it was, it's like, it's like the drive-by truckers and the black crows had a kid. <laughs> and uh, that's it, Not a bad combo. Yeah. You're right. It's not. And it's, it's got, it is a really good Southern rock album. I mean, is that what you guys were going for? You know, I think I just, I, I'd had for many years through different various bands that I'd played in, uh, kind of a sound that I grew up with. Um, yeah, I I dug a lot of different things um, across the board. Uh, you know, it wasn't just Southern rock or, or stuff like that, but um, it's, uh, you know, I love everything from Al Green to the Beastie Boys to Rage Against the Machine and Ry Cooter and, um, you know, Joni Mitchell and all, all this. There's so much great music out of the 20th century. It's just insane. But what was coming through in my tunes and I guess the ideas I had and what I wanted to play was really just very simple, straight up rock and roll. Just just, just really powerful, big guitars. A lot of, um, you know, I was always a huge fan, obviously, of um, the rhythm section to say like, uh, Zeppelin or even things, you know, John Paul Jones is a bass player or Paul McCartney, you know, and, you know, we're in, and and drums that sounded thick and big and driving and all these integral pieces that, um, sort of felt like four even legs under a table, you know, you can't just take one of them away, uh, to some degree. Um, and, uh, and so when I started flushing out a lot of these songs, you know, and, and for the first record, a lot of those songs were songs I had for a while. Um, and, you know, I had kind of bided my time for a long while looking for the right players. And when the pieces fell together, boom, I was like, I recognized it in the drummer, recognizing the bass player. I knew they were something special that I wanted to play with. And, uh, you know, we got, uh, keys for a while. And, and, um, and so, yeah, they, a lot of these are influences that we all share, but as a primary songwriter, I guess, you know, they just kind of come out and I can't really sort of say, Oh, well, I, my songs sound like this. It's sort of, I'm a little baffled when I listen to it. I know it all sounds familiar, but I can't always pinpoint where. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's, it's always wild when you write a song, when you originally write it and then what it actually ends up being either on an album or on stage it's yeah. what, what I'd like to like tell the listeners, just like, it's never the same. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's never how you think it's going to sound. Yeah. I, I think anyway. Well, certainly, um, you know, hearing these songs in my head and knowing like, okay, that sounds big. I think that sounds pretty slamming. And the key was finding the right players. So when all of a sudden I heard these guys playing these ideas, it was like, whoa, yes, <laughs> that's, that's as good, if not way better with a twist of everybody's own personal playing, which is, you know, better than um, the uh, version of me playing all the instruments <laughs> in my head imagination. So.
can't forget the cafe wine or candlelight, and I can't explain the things we said that night. To look at you now breaks my heart a thousand times. Like every time before, and I can't change you, and you can't change me. We can't change anything. It's never meant to be. Something about your love makes me. What we had was ever wrong, and I wouldn't dare deny. And we couldn't count the miles lost between us now. Wouldn't matter if we tried, 'cause I can't change you. Something I can't see.
uh, the bass player, I uh, had, we had a mutual friend. We had never met each other. We had never heard of each other's names, but we happened to know the same like 175 people and had both been in Charlotte for over two decades. It was, it was like, how in the world did we not ever even heard of each other? And then like all of our best buddies were like, oh, I never put the two of you guys together. It was like, what? <laughs> um, but it kind of happened uh, serendipitously, I think, because around the same time that uh, I ended up meeting uh, Carrie, uh, the bass player, um, I was also, I was kind of putting, I was trying to put this band together with several other folks and just wasn't really getting any traction. And um, it didn't seem to be going anywhere. And so I reshuffled the deck and was wondering kind of what was going on. Now, my wife and I had been um, big fans of a band, um, which is stylistically very different from us, but called out of Asheville called Stephanie's Id. Um, and we had seen them in Charlotte. We had seen them um, in Asheville. And we had just been going to see them when we could off and on for, I guess, six years or so. I remember halfway through it, I remember going to shows and saying, that drummer, that drummer is it. That drummer's got the sound, man. That that that's it. And um, but you know, this guy I didn't know. He played another band, lived two hours away, you know, whatever. So one day I get a random email and it's like, hi, my name's so-and-so. I got your name and number from so-and-so. I'm a drummer and I just moved down from Asheville. I'm looking to make music my full-time thing. And I was like, Tim Haney, how do I know that name? Tim, Tim. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, so I put two and two together and I immediately emailed him back and was like, Hey man, I'm not trying to sound uh, creepy, but I know exactly who you are. And I've been a huge fan of your plan um, and your band for a long time. And uh, that band was starting to kind of go its separate ways. They'd had a cool run of things and, um, but he had moved to Charlotte um, and we got together and just realized we kind of wanted to do the same thing. And, um, bass player that I literally have just met that's really kind of lit me up, man. He's a fantastic bass player. He's a solid guy. And um, uh, I think we should sort of talk with him. So that's kind of how things got going. With all these shows that have been canceled through the pandemic and, and all mm -hmm. that good stuff, you know, most, most there's a lot of bands that are going to the online streaming try to connect with their fans. So what have you guys been doing? You know, obviously besides playing the no contact concert series, yeah. uh, you know, coming up Saturday. Uh, I guess when this whole thing happened, we were just kind of looking at a, a bunch of dates this year to do. And um, uh, we, you know, we had some stuff in Asheville, some stuff in Nashville, and uh, we were looking to, uh, head to Georgia. And then that all just kind of went kaput. Um, and, you know, we had been playing a number of things. Uh, we'd certainly worked with Codex Sound before and absolutely loved them playing out of the Whitewater Center for River Jam. Um, and Micah Davidson from uh, Midwood Entertainment has, has, has been a, a good, great supporter of the band as well. And uh, so when this opportunity came around, we had basically been thinking, you know, we just need to sort of sort out like what's happening in the greater globe <laughs> scheme of things and uh, figure out when we're going to be able to play live again, because what's unique about the no contact concert series, especially for a band like us is that we can do what we do totally do what we do. And, and that's just to bring it, you know, kind of balls out as much as we can. And um, 
so it, it, without that opportunity, I think we would have, you know, still been kind of wondering. We do have an outdoor gig uh, at the Whitewater Center for River Jam as their um, calendar opens up in July. And um, so uh, and we're playing uh, out there on uh, the 24th of July. So we um, had thought about doing some more writing and so on and so forth. Um, we had gone to do three tracks at a buddy of mine's studio up in Durham in uh, the fall. And so I think rather than try and throw that into a new batch of tunes that we wanted to do for a new record, um, hopefully later this year, um, we just kind of wanted to put those, those three tunes out there, you know, singles or whatever, and just kind of have it be a simple little, like, here's three tunes, you know, it's a little right. Bit- you know, I've, I've noticed that, that a lot of bands are going to the, I don't want to say limited EPs, but, you know, five or six songs on an album uh, and, and put those, you know, handful out. Um, do you think that's more of a, um, a produced out of necessity or is that just how folks are writing these days? Or why, why do you think that trend's happening? I think, I think for the idea of, I have to save this for a record. Uh is um i mean so many artists are different i've heard artists that have been like i write for a while i make a record i don't write for a while and then when it's time to do a new record i get in the writing mode um and then other people who are like i never stop writing and so i just have these sort of bubbles of time where i'm able to sort of record them all put them all together and then put them out and then i can move on to the next thing and i guess the uh the the thing that comes to mind is like uh the Rolling Stones run, going through Muscle Shoals and, and recording Brown Sugar, you know, like they were in the middle of a tour. So whatever. And bands of that stature at that day and age, like that would just kind of happen. They'd be in and out of the studio and they might hit somewhere along the way and just drop a track, you know, that they've just written or something like that. And I guess when you realize that it can be done any different way you want to do it, um, the cosmos kind of works its way. And, you know, we had these three tunes um, and we wanted to get them together, um, but we didn't see them in a bigger sort of thing. It was just sort of an opportunity to record with our friend, Ryan Pickett, again, up in Durham at his studio. And um, I've known Ryan for a long time and, it, it, you know, he had mixed uh, stirring the haunts for us. And he was like, man, you got to get the band up here. You, this this is really cool. Because, um, again, we had done all the tracking ourselves. And he was like, I'd love to have you guys in here. So he's busy. He's a front of house for like Ray Lemontane and uh, um, and My Morning Jacket and uh, Leon Bridges. And he's doing a lot of stuff. Um, and he was like, let's get this together in the fall. So we planned it out. We went up there uh, for several days and did these tracks. Um and then that was that, you know, we kind of thought we would be revisiting that to see what happened in the natural course of things. And the natural course of things that was that, you know, the first of the year came around and we were looking to book shows and think we might be getting back up there to Ryan uh, to do some more tracks, uh, perhaps. And then the COVID thing happened. Dates started getting canceled. We still loved these tunes and, you know, had been playing them live for uh, six months or so. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so we just kind of came to the conclusion. We were like, that was a really cool, um, several days and let's just put it out. 
And, you know, and then we can focus on another thing because we don't feel any pressure to have to, you know, turn out an album or, or, or put this with another batch. And they all came together. Those three songs came together at one mo- at one point in time. And so they kind of fit together real well. Awesome. And again, we're talking with uh, Gray Brewster of uh, Revelwood Mission. Um, and they are playing the No Contact concert series this Saturday, June 27th. And what I'd like to ask you, Gray, is, you know, we ask a lot of our um, our guests this. What, what's your favorite venue to play in North Carolina? Oh, man. Um, it's not like picking a kid, but what's your favorite venue? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, that I have, that I've played with this band or just in, or, you, or it just, or you, t- uh, a venue that you might even have not been able to play yet that, um, that you just like going to see shows at. Sure. Well, uh, I, I think that Charlotte is, uh, Charlotte is very, very fortunate to have some cool places. I agree. Um, uh, Brown brothers up at, uh, uh, the visual light have done a great thing for Charlotte music community and have done it for a long time and have, have done things that don't just pertain to their venue. Um, and, uh, certainly Joe Coolman and the folks at the evening muse, uh, have been doing the same thing and running a real, uh, nice spot. Um, both two different fields, um, the neighborhood theater, um, we have, we've played, um, we did something for, uh, a sort of a benefit several years ago in the big room. But as of late, we've been doing shows um, at the neighborhood theater, sort of on the, in the smaller room, that's a capacity of, you know, 200, something like that. And they've done a great job with that space. Uh, I've enjoyed seeing some bands there. Uh, We got a chance to play with Trigger Hippie, which was really cool out of Nashville and um, did our own show back in January um, so those venues are, are very cool. We've done, you know, several, you know, shows elsewhere that are cool, um, as well. We had a CD release, um, at free range brewing, which is a max music venue as well. Um, back in April for stirring the haunts had a fantastic night and horn section and all kinds of stuff to join in. And, uh, it was a great, great turnout and a fantastic night. And, um, so yeah, places like that are all very cool for Charlotte. Um, play other venues. Uh, certainly, um, you know, I've not played. We have, I've not played the Asheville Music Hall. That's a cool spot up in Asheville. Of course, the uh, uh, the Orange Peel. I'd love to play. Um, and uh, seen a number of bands there. Cat's Cradle, uh, Lincoln Theater. Uh, haven't been there with uh, this band per se, but would love to uh, get up there. And Durham's got a couple of really cool spots as well. So that's right. Yeah, we're very, very fortunate with the amount of venues that we have in North Carolina, and the um, and the great venue owners that are just you know, hopefully keeping their head above water through all this. And yeah, you know, yeah. You know, if once we're able to gather together, I'd I recommend and really highly suggest everybody go out there and listen to live music because those small venues are definitely going to need it. Um, so, and, but we'd also like for you guys to head over to the mesh.tv and check out all of our other shows on our network and uh, subscribe to those shows. So all of those podcasts can be beamed directly to your favorite listening device. Um, I'd like to thank Gray Brewster again from Rebel Mission. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Off the yeah. Thanks for having me, Andrew. It's a pleasure talking with you.
No doubt. And uh, we're going to listen to some more music from Rebel Mission. And um, this this one's called uh, Hole in the Sun. Greg, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, this was a fun song. I'd had this for a while. I brought it to the band. Um, and it wasn't really uh, it wasn't really like some of the other sort of straightforward rock and roll ones. It was it kind of had a nice sort of funky groove um, pocket going on. Um, and when it came together, there were, um, uh, a lot of different elements that, uh, I, I felt really sort of shined through this. Um, there's a middle segment that was kind of fun to put together. Um, you know, I had been humming this tune over this part section of the song that seems to be somewhat out of time with the rest of the song, but in a pocket of its own. And, uh, I remember telling the guys when we were putting it together, I was like, I'm singing this tune, this melody, but da 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 da. And I was like, I got to come up with some lyrics for that. You know, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go. And I remember all of them looking at each other and looking at me and being like, lyrics? That's a horn part, right? And I was like, what? I've never even thought of that. So immediately, and this is the great thing about working in a collaborative uh, situation with people whose instincts you appreciate and dig and um, you work together well, bouncing ideas off. I was like, oh gosh, well, I hadn't even thought of that. Okay, well, let, let's go with that. And um, uh, our keyboard player at the time uh, and I uh, started working with sort of a horn uh, arrangement to this and then um, had a uh, local horn player, um, Philip Howe, um, who was friends with Carrie, our bass player, um, come in and the part that he laid down was incredible. He played, I don't know how many horns, but he, he can do it all. And um, it became really, really big. And sure enough, you know, when it came to the CD release party, it was like, we need the horns. Like that's sure. crazy, but we need the horns on this one song. And it was probably one of the highlights of the night. So it was a lot of fun putting this together and um, sort of there's a, big sequence at the end of the song um, uh, before big ending that uh, was neat with all these sound bites and things like airplanes and voicemails with French uh, voices, French speaking voices and, and different sort of street sounds and all this. It was a little bit like, um, uh, what's the song on Abbey Road that's like, um, and it kind of gets chaotic and uh, so that was fun to put together. And um, yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, real quick, Gray, tell everybody where they can find you guys. Uh, so you can certainly find us at revelwoodmission.com. That's R-E-V-E-L-W-O-O-D-M-I-S-S-I-O-N.com. That's and- correct. Your spelling is correct there. Yeah, we get a lot of uh, rebel, rebel wood. And I'm like, no, it's not rebel. There's nothing like Southern rebel. Right, right, right. Revel wood mission. And um, uh, of course, we're on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can see uh, a lot of uh, sort of promo videos. And certainly we put out a uh, sort of a three to four minute video, the making of this video. We had a videographer come up to that old school and um, – because uh, we knew we wanted to use some footage from this cool space and how we did it. Uh, so definitely check that out. Yeah.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.